when, when you changed formation and the two, two goals came very quickly? Yeah, but Tottenham, it's the history of the Tottenham. Uh, they, uh, they always uh, created many chances and scored so much, but at the end they miss always something to arrive uh, at the end. We, we believe in the history. Welcome guys, it's your favorite football show, the Clean Tackles Podcast. I'm your host, Chike, and with the crew today, we'll be talking about the, the instant classic at Stamford Bridge we just watched. Then we'll talk about a bit of uh, La Liga, Serie A, the Bundesliga, before touching on the Super Eagles World Cup qualifiers against Lesotho and Zimbabwe. Um, if at any point you hear a bit of coughing on this episode, it's most likely me. I'm a little bit under the weather uh been down with the flu since friday night uh me and, me and my stubborn self i was determined to play football yesterday that saturday and i made it even worse even though for some reason that was my best performance in ages we knocked out like five sets in a row and i think about eight in total um anyway as usual before we kick things off in the pod let's check in with the crew the guy responsible for making the show what it is um tricky how have you been it's been a while it's been a long while yeah man i know it's been a while but it's all good i'm good everything uh, very good weekend of football, as you said. Looking forward to talking about it. Okay, let's go to Dutton. Dutton, how have you been? What's up, Chiki? How are you doing? Um, week has been good. Week is always good. I mean, week started off with a cracker. Uh, remember from last week's episode, we said we were going to be at the Sporting Lagos Canopilas game. Mm, and they lived up to expectations. 3 0 first half. What an atmosphere. I, I, I won't point. <laughs> the Canopilas, they are just let's go home. Um, I, I, I think um, that, that set it to me for the rest of my week. I think work-wise, none of that. I think I just had a good week in general. I've been able to rest it off and all of that over the weekend. Um, like you said, instant cracker at Stanford Bridge. What a way to round up the weekend of football. So yeah, all good in general, all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was watching, I was following a little bit of it on, on Monday. And when I checked at halftime, I saw the scores 3-0 and I was like, what? I mean, no Canopillas, they just got promoted. But I mean, it's still Canopillas. It's still uh, one of the most respected names in Nigerian club football. So to see them um, 3-0 down at halftime, I think that was a bit of a shock for everyone. Um, so yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a crazy way to start the week. And if you can remember that Monday night, we went on to have the Chelsea-Spurs game. That was, I mean, on its own, an instant classic as well, but for some different reasons. 4-1 to, to Chelsea. We'll talk more on that in the game later on. Uh, how about you, Shola? How's your weekend been? We know you had a little bit of coaching today with your boys. Uh, how's everything been with you? Yeah, uh, I've been good. Good evening, guys, and good evening to the listeners. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. Uh, had a league game today, so... Work, 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 uh, but good enough, good enough. Decent result, not the 
worst performance under very difficult conditions. So, yeah, I'm good. Uh, how are you guys doing? Yeah, all good over here. All good over here. Uh, we're just, um, like I said, it's been, it's been a great weekend of football and all the way to round it up. Um, so we'll get, into, we'll get right into it. Um, Stanford Bridge, Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4, like we said, an instant classic. Boyer gets it. Oh, and then he goes down. Penalty. It's a 100% a penalty. The touch probably gets away from him a little bit, which means he can't get the strike away. Cole Palmer versus Edison. Palmer's perfect penalty. It's 4-4. Four, four. An unbelievable end to a game we will never... Chelsea, who are nowhere near the title race, at least for now, they have somehow managed to influence the race. So on Monday, like we said, they beat Spurs 4-1. And it was... Well, a lot of people doubted their, that performance because of you know the conditions, two red, two red cards to um, Spurs and the loss of a few players. But now, today, they've scored four goals against the defending champions. Um, Dutton, what did you make of the game and Mauricio Pochettino's in-game adjustments to stay in to stay in it despite falling behind on three different occasions. There was a big call taking off Enzo Fernandez at some point. Most people didn't see that coming. I think the risk James was understandable because of his injury problems. They were just trying to manage him. But he made some, like I said, some big calls, some adjustments to stay in the game and they paid off. So what did you make of it in general? Um, so I thought it was a very good game. Um, I feel like this is what happens when a team that has good players um they have the right mindsets um and they can match city tactically um it's tactically physically um the mindset as well right when you can do all those things to city right and you can also match their fitness getting the results from them is a possibility and i mentioned all these things together because i feel like in as much as city is a very strong team. There is an obvious weakness in the side. And the obvious weakness is the fact that they play two systems on and off the ball. Now, no matter how strong you are, no matter how good you are, which um, everybody knows, City fits all these um, all this, all this adjectives and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you have to transition from a 3-2-4-1 to something like a 4-2-3-1 in seconds will mean that some people would not adjust in time. So it's there for you to make the right choice of pass, to make the right run, to make the right, just basically make the right decisions, right? And you can see holes in their team, right? It's the same way, just were able to get the first goal. Um, it was it, it was a still in midfield and they won a free kick, which was James um, so great save by Edison mm. and they got from the corner kick. The second goal, Typically the same thing as well. Long ball from Robert Sanchez. Everybody's adjusting. Um, someone still, I think it was Gallagher that stole the ball in midfield. Good pass. Another good pass. Sterling square play, right? So it's one of those things where Pochettino has treated the match like a knockout match. He has come specifically prepared for this opponent, right? And things had worked in their favor. I think going forward, there's nothing we saw from City today that we've not come to expect, right? It was just um, someone taking advantage of their defensive 
Lapsed, you mentioned Enzo going off. Um, I also remember Kaisido going off for Amadou Broha. So for mm. five, six minutes, just we're playing to up top. And we're able to make the most of it as well. So it's multiple things put together that made this game live up to expectation. There's also the Copa Man, right? Staying, I have something to prove and go mm-hmm. to it as well. There's yeah. also the whole um, Rhys James, I can play against the best wingers in the world. There's also Cocorella, I want to play a lot more. Same thing with Galaga as well. So it's it, it was a number of things put together and I don't think we were disappointed in any of the angles that you chose to look at it from. So I thought it was a good game in general. The problem with the Chelsea side, anyways, like we've all said at the beginning of the season, they'll probably struggle to find consistency. I think they've played um, five of the four of the big six because they can only play five. Right, and they're yet to lose, right? And you could even argue that they were the better side in almost all of the games as well. The problem is just consistency, big teams versus small teams, big teams versus small teams and all of that. So good one for them. I think they'll go back to the drawing board, um, look at all the things they've done. They have two weeks before the next game. The next three games are difficult as well. Um, I think it's Newcastle, Brighton, United or something in that line. But good for them it's 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 it was i think it was particularly important that they picked a point today because you can't drop this type of performance not pick a point it would discourage you in so many ways so i like the fact that they had the performance and the results much yeah i think that's an excellent uh, breakdown of what happened like you said uh, pochettino i think he he really did uh, impress me with not just the way he set up, but like you said, the in-game management, how he was moving things around was very constant. It wasn't just um, standing by and watching the game flow on its own, but being proactive, uh, basically. Um, Shola, from your own end, was there anything that you saw from Pep that you know worried you a bit, or is it just one of those games that you feel uh, you can brush and move on from? Uh, because of the way, like I said, he had the lead on three different occasions and he lost the lead on those three occasions. That's not something that we, we've we come to expect from a Pep Guardiola team. He's usually very, what's the word, I guess, ruthless when it comes to um, things like that. But, you know, having the lead three times, blowing it three times, is that a worry for you or is this just one game that we can brush off? Well, um, it's, I think it's more credit to Chelsea than it's about anything... City did or didn't do. Uh, it's clear, and it has been told for a while that if you if you have a proper go at City, you can get something out of a game. The real challenge is it's incredibly incredibly difficult to get a proper go at them. So credit to Chelsea, they managed to do that, and I mean going four three down very close to the end of the game. It's very easy to throw in a tile, but they didn't, they dug in, and they were able to get themselves a penalty to tie the game at the end. So, for Man City, I wouldn't be too worried. I think they should be on top of the Premier League table with a single point. Uh, And yeah, it's they're doing well in the Champions League. It's been a strong start to the season for them. There's no absolutely no reason to panic from their own perspective. Uh, it's just at the end of the day, it's 
an away point at Chelsea. That's the reality of today. It's an away point at one of the biggest teams in England. That's a good result for Manchester City almost any day. So for them, it's to be calm and see things from a more global perspective. They are on top of the table. They've gotten an away draw. That was a very tough class team. And so all is well, basically. All right. Um, Chuki, just going to you. Um, I have a specific question for you. The pulling of opponents in the box during set pieces, is that a foul that, uh, is that a foul only given to Man City and not for other opponents? Because, I mean, we see it at least five times per game and it's never blown for some reason. But when it comes to Manchester City, I think they're the, like the only team that benefits from it. So, besides your thoughts on the general game itself, which I'll give you time to talk about, these set pieces, the penalty they got, is, do you have a problem with calls like that going Man City's way? So, did you see, um, you guys see Ateta's post-match interview, both the one even the game and the one for the press, post-match press conference. When they asked about the referees, what did he say? They were top, top. They were very good. I don't have any complaints. Before they blame us, you go by that route. But now, nah, if we are being truthful, there's no way that that's a penalty, man. I don't know how. Like, I don't know how that gets blown for a penalty for anybody. And the fact that City keep getting it, I, I don't know. So they don't. We don't look. There are no. There's no context there. And like, so this is why I have a. I have a thing about the area personally. I think having just referees in that room doesn't work for me anymore. I think we need to have former players in there. I think they need to have, like, maybe every VR station needs like one former player. Someone that has retired from the sports. Mm. Someone that they trust. That's just in there to give a player's side. Everything cannot be like, people pull in football. Before, before, first of all, they should even look at the size of Haaland. How can that small propeller bring you down? <laughs> That's also something. But literally, Haaland has his hand all over his shirt at least. Haaland pulls him trying to get position, because that's normal in the box. It's a set piece. Everybody's grappling for position. It happens every game. Yeah, exactly. Then, like I said, it happens like five times per game. So Yeah, but like City keep getting it, man. I don't know. It's just the inconsistency of this thing. I do not think anybody should ever get that as a penalty shot. But even if it's Arsenal, I don't think that's a penalty for Arsenal either. Because it's too soft. It is too, too soft. So I, I hope yeah, I hope they can so this is my hot take. So this is my hot take about about this penalty, right? Um, I was making a joke with someone during the week when I saw that uh, Anthony Taylor had been had been reinstated for for the Premier League and was going to get the biggest match of the weekend. I say Anthony Taylor has a track record of terrible calls against Chelsea, right? Um, the joke was that Chelsea are either going to get a red card or they're going to have a penalty against them. Now, if you watch the if you watch the um, incident that was as a penalty, the funny thing for me was the referee gave the penalty on the spot. Mm -hmm. Now, it's one of those things that if the referee does not give it on the spot, VR is never going to give it. Very true. Do you understand? I so. so I, I really don't think, hope, I really hope so. Uh, no, uh, well, that's where I would like to class it under. Exactly. That if, well, I just if hope the referee did not give it, and the referee did not give it, VR will not give it because they will not say it's a clear and obvious error. Yeah. That's the phrase they always hide under. So it's one of those, since the referee has given it, it's not a clear and obvious mistake, so we'll leave it at that. So I think it's Anthony Taylor that puts 
all of, and remember tricky i think we've had this discussion before there's this um hierarchy thing with referees where um the younger referees are or the newer referees are is it shy or they are afraid of going against what the senior referees have decided to do we all know that Anthony Taylor is one of the biggest referees, if not the biggest referee in England, alongside Michael Oliver, right? Um, Yara Gilead just came to Premier League, I think, two, three years ago. He's Australian. He's not even English. And he was the one in the VR room. So it's very unlikely to see someone like Gillette go against Anthony Taylor. If Gillette was on the pitch and had given that as a penalty, Anthony Taylor can go and say, you know what? We're chalking that off. But the younger referees are always scared to go against the senior referees so i just feel like it's it's one of those where cocorella should not have given the referee decision to make so I, I don't think it's the worst call i don't think it's a good call either i just think it's one of those i would not be if if if, if after this match if i was a chelsea fan if i was a chelsea coach or something i would not be angry with this call i might just be a bit disappointed but this is not the type of call that you go on a round and oh, say shit. You know what's funny? So, yes, that's what, that's what I was going to add. I don't think it's something where I'm like, oh, the referee cheated Chelsea. No, it's not that. It's just that that should never. So I don't, I don't, I don't like using Arsenal instances because they will be like I'm being biased to my club. But you see the handball against Chelsea for Arsenal, for Chelsea I mean, against Arsenal, the Saliba handball, the one where Mujik um, not let the ball down. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have the same thing. There are some things like that that. By the letter of the law, yes, it's a foul and it's a penalty. But it should not be. Like, which is my, why my thing about the referees, about the referees having like an economic player there is, is even better. Like, there are some things that, if there is a letter of the law, then letter of the law, but haba, people pull in the box, you should not go down. If everybody's jumping, you're going to jump with your hands in the air. It's normal. If somebody now heads, or even the one again, the, the two penalties, or the man you gave, the penalty where Maguire. Um, I think it was the Europa League, uh, Champions League game, where Maguire um, headed the ball down onto the guy's hand, where the guy was trying to back it to okay. Maguire, and Maguire just put it. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Like, yeah. by the end of the law, yes, it's a penalty. But if you, were, if you are someone that plays the sports, say you are an actual former footballer, you have done years, 10, 15 years in the sports, and you watch that, you will never give that as a foul. And that is what I think you should go. I, I think they need to take referees in general away from that room because of exactly what Dustin just said now. Because about the fact of, oh, I said Jerry Gillette is a younger referee. He's not going to want to go against oh, what the referee yeah. on the field has said. Now, take referees out of that VR room. What's VR? VR is just computers. It's just um, a, a camera. I mean, that's what they are doing. Put a, former, put a former footballer in there with IT guys. People that don't have any connection with the referees or something. I don't know. But just remove referees from that room. I feel like they'll keep, they'll keep doing my guy, my guy in that room. But let's just... Let's move forward, otherwise I'll keep talking about this thing. See how I say it's very good that I was not here last week. This thing that you are suggesting is a slippery slope. Because you, you have no control about who goes into the into the VR room, then you see match fixing pro max. Imagine <laughs> no, no, if someone no. like imagine someone like Gabriela Bonaho goes into that uh, VR room. Oh my goodness. Well imagine somebody <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh I talked about the former footballers. That no, that's the thing yeah. I get because footballers might have bias. I just feel like someone that has played the game. No, but I, I get your point. I get your point. Played. Oh no, your, your your point is solid. I've just been mischievous yeah. saying that once you want to run away from one problem, you can easily run away. You can easily run into another problem. So it's just being mischievous. Your point is solid, actually. Before I, they have I know, better understanding. I, 
Um, anyway, uh, moving on to the Wolves and Spurs game. I actually left that game as 1-0 uh, to have a bath. And that was like in the 90th minute. Because in my mind, I thought, oh, these Wolves guys, they're not going to score. Uh, so, you can, I mean, you can imagine my, my shock when I came back and I saw 2-1 to, to, to them. Pass out to the right-hand side. Come on, Here boys. comes Sarabia. There are players in the box. Sarabia's through ball. Lamina! Yeah! Oh! Mario Lamina! Mario Lamina! Mario Lamina! He surely won the game! There are substitutes running on the pitch! There is pure pandemonium at Malibu! Late drama cost Wolves a point last week. This week, it gets them all three. I think off the top of my head, that was like the third turnaround in stoppage time this season. I think there was the Sports Sheffield United, of course, then Manchester United and Brentford, and um, of course this one. Um, anyway, Shola, well, should we expect more struggles from Spurs with the multiple injuries they've had? Uh, or do you think they have enough in the team to like steady the ship because they are going to be missing quite a few players over the next few months. Madison is out till January. You know, Richarlison had an operation. I think he's out indefinitely. The red cards, their suspensions, you know, here and there and all those things. So this, the, there are some key players that are getting out of, they are being injured. I, I forgot their, their defender, Dutch guy. He's out with uh, a hamstring injury and I'm guessing that's like a month as well. So do you think they have enough to steady the ship or should we expect more struggles like this uh two things i would probably not count yesterday as a struggle it looked more like a bleep i think they were quite good for most of the game and uh, somewhat maybe i don't want to say fortunate but credit to credit to wolves as well uh for getting stuck in but it wasn't really something that was expected. Uh, but yeah, a blip. In terms of them managing their squad situation, uh, to be honest, I can't really say. Uh, reason is obviously when you lose key players, it can have negative effects on the group. But at the same time, their game style seems to be very of the world I'm looking for. It seems to have a very socialist approach to the game in the sense that it seems to be more like everybody pitches in rather than there's a few superstars on board that make everything happen. So it's a game style basically predicated on everybody contributing to it. And one of the advantages of those kind of ways to play is that others even slightly less quality players might still be able to step in and do a good job. Uh, so I'm personally just curious to see how they will handle the next few weeks and uh, if they will be able to rise up to the challenge and get back to winning ways or if this is going to be a proper blip on their season. I think you made an excellent point about... Um... You know, the style that um, Ange has built is more of like a system where people can be plugged in rather than a team that is built around a certain player. And if the player is not there, there's a problem. I think the past season with Spurs, we've seen that teams are built around Son and Kane. And maybe understandably so, because those guys are world-class players, so who wouldn't build their teams around them? But with Ange now, he's built more of a system that everyone that you know players can you know easily slot in so i, I get a point on that uh we got a question sent to us 
um, around this, um, you know, teams missing, teams battling injuries, basically. It's from a listener named Bayo. I wish Bayo was here today so he could answer this question uh, from his namesake. Anyway, he says, um, <clears throat> hello, guys. Discovered your podcast last month and I've been following you guys closely ever since. I'm a Bayern fan, but I can't help but notice that you guys may have been a little harsh with Eric Ten Hag. Other managers like Deserbi, Pochettino, and now Eddie Howe are battling injuries and it's beginning to affect their form. But they don't get the same level of criticism Eric Ten Hag gets. Anyway, love what you guys are doing with the show, especially the bird watch part. I don't follow Nigerian football as they've broken my heart too many times. But it's nice to stay updated by you guys. Uh, Dotun, what are your thoughts about... Uh, because we're, we're going to go to the Manchester United game. But what are your thoughts on, on this? Do you feel like um, managers should be caught some slack when they have to deal with many injuries like that, especially to key players? <sighs> Jesus Christ, what a question. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I feel like the major problem with United, right, um, minus the injuries, minus everything, is that basically what United fans um, want is a, it's a replica of Salex, right? And if we're being honest, if you look at all the facts, if you look at everything, Salex was basically a miracle worker, right? And the thing about miracle workers is they don't come around a lot, like they don't come around often. There's a reason we've been waiting for Jesus Christ for 2,000 years plus to come back and it's not back yet. Right, it's once in a whatever period of time, right? So, because of that, United fans expect every manager to produce magic despite whatever circumstances they are going through, right? I, I like to say that, like all other clubs, right? If City is doing well, it's because of this, if Arsenal is doing well, it's because of this, right? People want United to do well in spite of. And I feel like from this part of the world, it's maybe because United have too many fans or too many people always involved in United's business. Maybe it's class of 92. Maybe it's media. I don't know. It's just one of those things that come with with success. Because I, I, I saw Trippy after the game yesterday speaking to the Newcastle fans saying, how many players do you have injured? I can't imagine the reaction in United fan base if it was Bruno that did that. Right? They're going to <laughs> talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So, everything else... Reiki will probably call for his um, his captain bands to be stripped. I feel like the reason why he's getting a lot of is because even when the players were available, right, there was um there were still a lot of things left to be desired. So it's not just like the injuries are the only things that that's, that's like it's not like the injuries are the only thing that's wrong with the team. There are some other things that are wrong with the team. Right when Newcastle had their full compliments, they were playing very well. When Deserbi had his full compliments, was playing very well, and all of that. With United, with the full compliment, they were not playing so well, right? So I don't, I don't think United is justified anyway. You know, whenever we speak about United, I like to think I'm a lot more uh, controlled about how I talk about United, and I think maybe it's because of expectations I have, right? They're probably in and around where I see them on the table. I think they're six now. And I feel like they'll finish the season between fourth and sixth. I've had an opinion from the beginning of the season. So when you lose games that you should be losing, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not looking for who to blame and all of that. It's probably when you do not win the games that you should be winning or you lose. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. It's United play um, 
what's the next game again? I think next game is Everton away. Everton. You already know that you're going to be on the edge of your seat for 90 minutes. Everton have created chance after chance after chance. Their feet side, their intensity is high. United is mostly lackluster with intensity and all of that. So going into the match, I already know that I cannot blink for one second. I'm going to use maybe BP machine and I would buy bowling my two hands and you understand. <laughs> so because of that expectation, I already know that I, if the match ends in a draw, United lose, I'm not faced. But it's the people that have the mindset that United must win every game are the ones that have that. So it's just a lot and a lot of things put together with Newcastle. Just, and also, uh, like uh, I said, you can't compare the expectation of United fans to Newcastle fans and Brighton fans, right? Those guys are more often than not used to. I think two, three seasons ago, these guys were 16th, 17th on the table. So they're still getting used to their new reality and they can't complain. Do you understand? Tricky mm. is here, Arsenal fan. I think four or five years ago, if Arsenal was stored, Tricky will be it will be so so happy, be over the moon. But now I'm sure it's grumbling inside because things have changed for them and, and all of that. So it's one of those things. And and I just hope, right, for Tenag's sake, because I don't know, in as much as a lot of people don't like him, I actually do like him. Right, but I just hope that he has full complement of players. So this excuse of I can't play well because I don't have this, I don't have that. Let's get rid of that excuse. Let him walk and do what was brought into the club to come and do. Okay. Uh, shall I just take it with you and what Ed Dutton has said, right? Uh, he brought up Brighton and their struggles. Uh, Brighton haven't won a domestic game since the end of September, it was actually a 3-1 win over Bournemouth. So in their last 10 games, they've actually won just two games. And those two games are against a struggling Ajax side. They've dropped in the league to eighth. And I think eighth position is not too bad. I mean, it's just one point off Newcastle and I think four, no, seven points off the top four. So not too bad considering everything, but they are a team that's obviously struggling with um, the injuries. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as Manchester United. I think it's even as bad as Manchester United. So uh, what are your thoughts on Brighton? And do you think we shouldn't judge Deserby um, harshly? Just similar to what Dottina said about um, Eric Ten Hag. Uh, do you think uh, uh, criticism of him should be a bit more measured, seeing that he's dealing with a lot? Uh, well, I will argue to be measured on for all coaches and managers uh, because I would empathize with their situations. But at the same time, I believe club contexts are also very important in coming into what you should basically use as your standard for evaluation. Yeah, it's incredibly bad form for Brighton, I think we, we had four draws in their last five Premier League matches, and I think a loss. So it's it's quite tough for them. Uh, yes, injuries, but I don't want to say injuries are the only reason for for the situation that they're in. Uh, but this will be my honest evaluation. I think Brighton are still fine. 
they are in a very bad form, but they are still fine. But it's starting to get worrisome, and they need to start getting wings on the board to turn around their fortunes before it goes too far. Manchester United, on the other hand, uh, a month ago, I would say they were having a poor season. And for their stature, where they were, I wouldn't consider healthy. There has been there were too many losses, but I think they started to turn things around gradually. So, if I would judge them in the totality of it, I would also be measured and say, okay, we look at the whole season, we look at the context, we look at the injuries, and then we can say, okay, it's not too bad at the moment. I believe they've won four in their last five Premier League games. They've been steadily climbing gradually up the table. So it's a slightly different context, but my assessment would be the same, or my current assessment would be the same. Uh, that I wouldn't, I would say both of them are fine now, but slightly different situations. Mine is going from not fine to incrementally becoming fine. Brighton, on the other hand, are going from very, very fine to not so fine. But overall, I would still say we can understand that they are having a lot of injury. But I don't like to separate the work of the managers from the kind of injuries that a team gets. Yes, some parts of it is luck. But sometimes we always we make the mistake of assuming it's completely out of the manager's hands. But that's not the reality of things. I would think the training methodology of each manager plays a very, very, a very, very vital part in the frequency of injuries that a team gets. So you can't divorce the way a manager chooses to train from the injuries that will occur in your team. And then that's not even talking about rotations and ensuring that the players are fresh. Basically, some buck, even when it comes to injury, still ends up on the manager's table in a way that we cannot completely divorce injuries and just assign them to ill luck and say, okay, well, this is not the fault of the manager. To some extent, it is. It's now to try to... It's, the difficulty will be to assess just how much of it is directly influenced by the manager. You know what? I actually completely agree with you on that point. Um, because for... And not to do the Manchester United, but for, for them in particular, most of their, their injuries, they seem to be similar. The muscle injuries and all... And even yesterday, during the win against Luton Town, Rasmus Hoyland was taken off, I think, two minutes after he was clutching his hamstring. Most times when your player clutches the hamstring, his hamstrings or her hamstrings, you take the person off, I think, just as a precautionary measure. And he didn't do that. It seemed like he left the player, he left Hoyland on, and I think he may have worsened that situation. 
Uh, I know Dotson used to have this joke about uh, Jurgen Klopp and um, you know how his players were falling off. Uh, was it two seasons ago when they were just dropping? It was not guys? a joke. <laughs> it was not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I agree with you on the manager's training methodology and how it affects the team, and you can't exactly um, separate those two. Uh, but anyway, moving on to Arsenal, Burnley, Arsenal three, Burnley one. Oh, hit the ball. And then, oh, what a finish by Zinchenko! <laughs> Tremendously taken from Alexander Zinchenko. Burnley seem to finally embrace the reality that they are no longer a top dog in the league, you know, like they were in the championship last season. Uh, I think we were a bit more conservative yesterday, uh, but that was—I mean—that wasn't going to be a problem for the Gunners. You know, I, I feel like it was a, a very comfortable win for Arsenal, despite going to, um, you know, a, a man down. I think they already got the job done by that time. They've moved to a point within the top top, top of the table, and um, Burnley are now bottom of the table. Uh, Tricky, what are your thoughts on the performance in general and? You know, the title race back on. All right, first of all, the first thing you said is what I want to speak on. Burnley chose the day when this is the Emirates to decide that they were going to go back to being that were not as good as we are, which is very, very annoying, <laughs> first of all. But to in their, in their defense, if I was missing company here, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'll sit with the entire team. They won't sit on the chairs, everybody has to sit on the floor. And then I'll ask them what I did to them and why did they hit me. I honestly believe that every game this season, a Burnley player has made a very stupid mistake that has led to a goal. It just not led to a goal against Aston because we missed it. They made this, they made that same mistake. And at some point, I'm like, this part you can't really blame the manager for this. Like you can blame the manager for setups and different things, but these guys, this is not a setup. They just make the wrongest decisions on the field, and just against Aston, it didn't, it didn't just bite them in the ass. That's all. On our own end, on the performance, it was a good performance. Where we realized that Burnley had decided to um, lock up the middle, we couldn't pass through the middle, we went to the wings and we kept getting corners. Which is very surprising that Arsenal defeated the Burnley team by set pieces. <laughs> Sean Dyche is rolling over a messy side. That <laughs> Arsenal team is going to defeat a Burnley team by set pieces. Because I think all three goals, if I remember correctly, the first one was Saka Cross, then the last two were from corners, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So all three goals, imagine an Arsenal team on that and the Burnley team. So I think it was it was very good um, in-game management by the team. They realized that we couldn't pass through this Burnley team because the middle was Sander Berg and uh, the guy that was doing it on the right side. They made sure they were doubling up on the So every time we tried to pass through to the middle, they were shutting that off. And when you don't have other guard, that means you can't really do um, break through the middle as you normally do. Havertz is not in the game yet. So that a different conversation, but yeah, it was a good game. The corners work, the set pieces work. Martinelli seems to be very light, lively right now at the moment. So I think we should just keep. I hope we just keep using that to our advantage. But yeah, it was a good game. I'm very happy. about one point, thanks to Chelsea today. Also, we didn't mention Galaga. I didn't like that. So if this was a Chelsea fan podcast, we'll be raving about Galaga. And I feel like I needed to say something about Galaga. Oh, during, oh, the game, I did. during the game, I, oh, you did not. Okay. During the game, yeah, I, I told my, I, I sent the message to a friend of mine and I said, Galaga is better than Enzo and Kaisedo. And yes, I know that is me just saying, I mean, it's for jokes. But the performance with Galaga, honestly, this entire season, I think he has been the best mix with that. He has been Galaga and today he was just, 
you start realizing that with that 40 million, like how many million they turned down that time from Crystal Palace? Maybe they knew what they were doing. But he might not have the. Is a is a is a proper British midfielder. That's the that's the very clean way of saying what I'm trying to say. He might not have the passing or the technique that you want that you want to look at and say he's a 50 million player. But he's a hardworking uh, man. He's he's something. He's really something. So yeah. And back to us, I think the game was very good. I'm happy with one point one. Everybody, all our rivals have tough games next weekend. We are going to Brentford, which is also a tough game. So let me know. Count my my tickets before the hat. But it's next, uh, I say next weekend after the national break, it's going to be interesting to see how it shapes up after that after that round of games. Yeah, I mean, uh, regarding the Gallagher, I think a few weeks ago, I can't remember what game it was. I did mention that to me, he's been my Chelsea player of the season. Even though, I mean, he was just the most consistent for me this season. I've been impressed with him, and today wasn't any different. Um, in Spain. In Spain, uh, there are comeback wins for Girona, Barcelona, while Real Madrid had a comfortable 5-1 win over Valencia. Uh, Girona have won five games in a row in, in uh, La Liga and six in a row in all competitions. They have picked up a remarkable 16 points from losing positions this season, which speaks to their resilience. And of course, they are top of um, La Liga by, uh, I think, two points. Uh, Dotton, what do you make of the title race in Spain? Do you think this is? Do you think we are, we are having a, re, a proper title race now, a three a three team title race, or do you think uh, Girona is going to fall off in the second half of the season? Of course, they'll fall off, right? <laughs> but uh, I feel like you're harsh um, with because sorry, I said you're harsh. You didn't even. No, oh, no, no, of course, no follow up. You know, no, no, no sugar coating, no sugar coating, nothing. Just it's one of my <laughs> for me, anyway. There's a way I, I say this thing all the time. Um, in football, quality will always reign supreme, right? Girona are doing very well at the moment, but they don't have Barcelona, Real Madrid. It's, it's a different thing if it was people in their class, right, that they were competing against. Do you understand? If they were playing against, say, uh, if the people that were competing for the La Liga were maybe Valencia, Villarreal, uh, maybe Betis, Sevilla, then it's possible. But when you look at the players that Real Madrid have, you look at the manager that Real Madrid has, you look at the expectation from Perez that transcends to his players and his coaches and all of that, you just know that this thing, it's a matter of time. Right now, mm -hmm. all I'm hoping for Girona is that they get some reward for this type of season that you're having. Right, they, I hope they make it into worst case scenario one of the Europa League spots. Right, I, I want them to make the Champions League to in quote escort Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid because it looks like that will be one, two, three. Right, so I hope they make it into fourth. If not, I think Europa League is not just it's not it's not bad at all for a team of their stature. I think they start playing. Um, they're under the city umbrella, right? The group of companies, group of football clubs under the Etihad group, right? So I know that they have good football in mind. I know they have probably a very good plan, good structure in place, all those things. So it will be sustainable for a while. I know it will be sustainable. I just don't see them finishing ahead of all these giants. That's why I said no. For me, it's a no-brainer. They'll drop off at some point. I just want the best for them. Hmm, so, are these sentiments that you agree with? Uh, do you do you think that this is just uh, something that uh, will excite the neutrals for the time being and 
like Dalton said, when the quality comes to the forefront at the business end of the season, that because of their lack of quality compared to, of course, the bigger boys in the league, uh, they're going to fall off ultimately. Do we expect them to win the league? I don't really think so. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll have the capacity to stay on top till the end of the season. That being said, uh, I think for them, I think anything in top six will be considered success. So it will be to take it game by game and keep trying to win as many games as you can so that if or when you eventually drop points, you don't go too far down the table. I think they are the only team in the top five leagues that have a 100% record in their last five games. So that's not... Okay, I think them and PSG. So that's not an easy feat in any way. They've worked for it. and They're playing some really exciting football. But yeah, I think like Dotto said, fatigue will start to set in at some point. And then the depth of quality you have on the bench starts to determine if you'll still be able to cope when things aren't going so good. But credit to them, I think they've done they've done outstanding to be where they are. For them, the goal should just be to continue as well as they can and then see how high up the table they can finish, basically. Okay. Um, me, personally, I think from a neutral point of view, um, I get what you guys are saying, and I think I agree with you, Dutton. I think I just uh, I just want to see something a bit different from Spain. So as much as I'm not expecting them to, to win it, I don't think they will, but it's nice to just see them try and shake that top three, top four that we've had for a very long time. Um, in Germany, Hurricane did Hurricane things. Um, he got a brace in the 4-2 win over Heidenheim. I think to avoid sound, sounding repetitive on this podcast, we'll reserve praises for Hurricane for when he scores hat-trick. So it's not uh, anytime he scores a brace, I think we'll just ignore it. I think that's how good he is right now. Or at least that's how easy he's finding life in, in Germany. Uh, but Dortmund lost to Stuttgart. and They've dropped to fifth. Uh, there are wins for Leipzig and Berlevacusen. Berlevacusen actually won 4-0, but we'll talk more on their win in uh, Birdwatch. Um, in Italy, the Rome Derby ended in a goalless draw. Um, yesterday, Milan also drew with Lecce. Uh, that's one win in five league games for Stefano Pioli, who is now on the hot seat. Uh, he's coming off a 2-1 win against PSG in uh, the Champions League. So that was you know, very... That was impressive of him, but back in the league, that's that's very worrying for him. Uh, like I said, one win in five league games. Um, Juventus did beat Cagliari, so they are on a good form. Uh, the team who is actually suffering the most right now to the, the bigger boys, in quotes, is Napoli. So they lost at home to Empoli. Jazzy, back with the boy. Can Empoli get a last-minute goal? Yes, they can! Would you believe it? Viktor Kovalenko has come off the bench to grab a goal in the first minute of added time. What a time to end a 46-game goal drought in Serie A. Empoli were 19th on the table coming into the weekend and they had the worst attack in the entire Europe with just four goals scored. 
Um, anyway, they beat Napoli 1-0. And um, right now, as we're recording this podcast, this uh, Sunday evening, um, Inter, they're winning 1-0 at the moment. And if they hold on, they'll be 10 points ahead of Napoli. And this is just 12 games into the season. So there are reports that Rudy Garcia is going to be sacked tomorrow. Uh, Dutton, do you think this is justified? I'll need an answer from you and um, Chuki as well. Do you guys think uh, the sacking of Rudy Garcia is justified? Starting with you, Dutton. Oh, I was 100% going to be sacked before the season was going to be over. Uh, I, I can't remember the episode. I think it was episode two or episode three. Myself and um, Bio we spoke about it. And Bio said, in as much as, uh, I, I think where, where the conversation started from was um, how Napoli might have picked the, um, they might have gotten weaker and someone mentioned that the manager had changed. So I, I pointed out that the manager did not change. The manager got a better um, offer. He's now coach of the national team. Right? He, re- he resigned first, then he went to take the national team job. So Napoli had to pick another manager. Now, the reason why we were concerned then was the way for Rudy Garcia. Rudy Garcia, the last time he was relevant in football, it's like 10 years ago, right? And there are a lot of managers that they could have picked, but they took someone that was um, pragmatic. You know, Spalletti is like high flyer, wants to play attacking football, he wants to do so many things. Oh. And that's one of the things that Napoli enjoyed last season, right? They were so attacking, the, you know, that they could score anybody, they could beat anybody, right? So it's it's one of those things where um, it was just a mat. Also, there's the culture. There's the culture. I don't know how to explain it very well, but it's mostly a culture thing, right? Where, where in Italy, they mostly repeat managers because a lot of them understand how things work in in and around the club, right? Even though Rudy Garcia has been Roma coach in the past, I believe um, from day one, it just felt like it was picking the wrong fights getting on the wrong side of the important people. So I don't think that it commands like the authority or the respect in the dressing room. It's mostly like they're just waiting for him to be done with his time and go. So in as much as you might have small friction in the dressing room, if the results on the pitch are speaking for you, then you'll be around for a long time. But once those results start fading, you're in big trouble. And that is exactly what has caught up with um, Rudy Garcia. That's why I said it, it was just a matter because everything pointed to him leaving before this. I didn't think it would be this early. I thought it would be some, sometime in March, April, where it's clear that they can no longer win the league. But I think Napoli really want to win the league and they don't want to fall too far behind. And that's why they decided to make a, a stand right now. To be fair, though, so they haven't sacked him yet. So let's wait and see where the sacking happens. <laughs> see, they don't sack him tomorrow. They don't sack him but yeah, I'm basically with Dutton. I, I felt it was a very long appointment at the time. So I didn't see how you could go from that high flying Napoli of all attack, scoring goals, with all the offensive weapons you have, and go and pick with the Garcia, honestly. And the, the position they are in the table right now. Plus, to be fair, they also have injuries. But to be 10 points behind the leaders after 12 games, that, that's just, that's crazy. Bro, even, even, even my United is not 12 points behind the leaders. That's crazy. Ten points. That's that's bad. So I can see why. It's not. I'm not. We're not surprised. That's basically what I'm trying to say. We're not surprised at all that he's, he's let go. If he does get let go tomorrow, I want to see who they replace him with. That would be that would be more interesting. I think one of the most fascinating things. Maybe when those men comes back, maybe to, to help them or something. 
Yeah, I was saying, I think one of the most fascinating things about um, Rudy Garcia and um, the way he's managed uh, Napoli this season is their form at home and away from home. So, away from home, they're averaging 2.33 points per game. And at home, it's 1.38 points per game. And that's just... To see a team of their level drop that much at home, you know, after winning the league where, you know, teams are, uh, their fan base is meant to be like on a high, you know, every match day, you're gingered, stuff like that. I mean, I know Victor Seaman has been injured, but that is not an excuse to be, what, 10 points behind the league leaders at this stage of the season. It's still very early. Like Dortmund pointed out, even Manchester United with all the Wahala self, they are not was 10 points behind. Uh, so, I mean, it, it feels inexcusable at this point. And if you don't sack him tomorrow, that's Monday, it's going to be sometime during this international break. Because I think this might be the right time. This is, you know, this is usually the right window for teams to pull the trigger during the international window. So a new coach can come in and have like 10 days uh, to work with the team before their next game, you know, things like that. So I, I think this might be it for him. He hasn't done anything whatsoever to... Um, he hasn't done anything so far to uh, inspire any bit of confidence in the team. So uh, anyway, in France, Lyon finally got a win. They finally snapped their losing record or their non-winning record. Um, what finally! Finally, finally. So every one of the guys that we used to watch there. So you had, you had three teams on that losing or that winless uh, watch for us. It was Ajax, Union Berlin, and Lyon. So um, Ajax, obviously, they got their, their win. I think they've, they won two games in a row before today's game, and they drew 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Lyon, of course, snapped their losing streak, uh, their winless streak today. And so it just left, we're just left with Union Berlin, who are yet to... Yet to win in what since the first two games of the season. So, so JK, you know that uh, with the Lyon game today, um, mm. they were away, and sometime in the first half, um, the opponents got a red card, right? Immediately, yeah. I saw the notification because I wasn't watching the game, I was watching the program again. So, immediately, I saw the notification for the red card. I'm like, if Lyon don't win today, they'll never win again. So, luckily for them, they were able to, I think they scored late. Um, Sometime in the middle of the second half, I think 65, 66 minutes. Or yeah, so, yeah. We were able to hold out to the rest of the game. And their last substitution interested me a lot. So, the, guess who they brought on to see out their victory? Uh, who's that? Diana Vray. <laughs> oh, I've just seen that now. That was interesting. And the, the, the red card that uh, Reds got was actually in the fifth minute. So, that was a very early red card. Uh, I'm just seeing some of the old... So I'm looking at the team sheet and Matic was there. Oh, man. This is like a proper throwback. So yeah, um, congrats to them. I don't know if you saw this guy's um, post-match comments. Uh, what's his name? Luis Enrique. So of course, PSG won. Um, Kylian Mbappe scored a hat-trick. They're back to the top of uh, the league. They're ahead of Nice with, I believe, one point. But uh, Luis Enrique said he wasn't too pleased with the performance from Mbappe and um, he's going to have a talk with him on how he can contribute more to the overall team performance. I don't know if you saw any of that in the news this past. Enrique is a clown. 
if if you're if you're a manager in a big team with big players, you should be intelligent enough to pick your battles wisely, right? You're talking about a player that PSG have practically gone to war against Real Madrid for, right? With the backing of the French president, the Qatari group, and all of that, and that is the person you want to scapegoat to the press. There's a ninety percent chance that, okay, maybe except Real Madrid falling. Mbappé will outlast Enrique in PSG. So I do not understand his end game, and I don't know why you make that type of statement. Especially this is your first season. You've not even done anything at the club yet, right? A lot of people are still skeptical about you. You're still under the microscope, and what, in fact, it's possible that you go out of the group stage in the Champions League <coughs> and you decide to pick a fight against. Right? I, I just hope Mbappé is gracious, or and just takes it in good faith. It's not the type of Tenag versus Sancho, where everybody starts going um, feasting and all of that. I just hope it's something that's swept under the rug. Because if it gets dirty, <laughs> Eric is in <laughs> trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't know why it felt needless, and at least he was going to say something like that. Just keep it, um, keep it in house. Um, that will be it for part one of the show. Up next, Birdwatch. Welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tackles podcast. As you all know, on Birdwatch, we talk about our favorite birds, the Super Eagles and the Super Falcons, and of course, anything that's released to Nigerian news. Uh, first off, we'll be starting this particular Birdwatch with um, a namesake of mine, Chibike. Chibike Nwaiwo. So, um, this was a funny story that I, I happened to see on Instablog. I mean, for for news about a Nigerian, the NPFL getting to the Insta blog, you know, it has to be ridiculous or, or tragic. Thankfully, this wasn't tragic. This was more of ridiculous. So um, a footballer that was, in quotes, declared missing by Enyeba Football Club was reportedly seen training with his new club in Israel. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, uh, did you hear anything about this news or did you see this? I saw, I saw it to... I saw it, and uh, uh, as much as it's funny, because I can't lie, it's very funny, right? It's it's also sad at the same time, and it's mostly sad because um, a lot of these players don't realize that when they do things like this, it kind of sets like precedence. Um, yeah. Media will just pack everybody together and say, oh, why should I do this thing when that's how they behave? I just need to a lot of stereotyping. I don't think it, 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 it's... I don't think it's that difficult to leave a football club, especially if you're in Nigeria and you're going to Europe, to, to, to an European side, right? I don't think it's that difficult. I just feel like there were better, there were a million and one ways that this could have gone that would not involve the player and his club being ridiculed. So it's just, it's just sad to see, right? And it's not that you're sick. Hope you don't want to leave us on this podcast too. <laughs> Well, well, well. Uh, I'll do that, but just for just for a few a few weeks in December, uh, I'll be I'll be leaving you guys temporarily just for a few weeks in November, in December rather. Uh, but obviously, I mean, it like I said, it it sounds funny and it is funny. The headline itself was funny, but when you dip it, it's actually very embarrassing because, like you said, there are ways to leave the the uh, football club 
if you want to and this dispute over contracts and it, it has ruined lots and lots of um, careers in nigeria so i mean if you think back to sunday Mba, that you know scored that winning goal at the afcon and you know was poised to have this very fantastic career and you know contract disputes led to him you know like led to the progress being stalled you know things like that it's, it's very sad i mean <laughs> we've heard that very silly news of uh, one club loaning a player to another team and then the team now selling the player. I mean, all those very silly things. I mean, it sounds funny. Uh, when I saw this news, I actually did laugh. It, it, it cracked me up a lot. But, you know, just reflecting on it, the deeper um, implications of everything, it just, it's just sad to see that um, our, in quotes, anyhow extends to that level. Uh, speaking of Aimba, of course, we know that um, last month they were knocked out of the the African Football League, the very first season of the African Football League by Wydad FAC. Uh, so this weekend, it was the finals, and Mamelody Sundowns beat them on aggregate 3-2 to win the very first edition of uh, the African Football League. So anyway, props to them. Uh, I think this is a tournament that people have said in the future might push the CAF Champions League to decide. I don't know how true that is, but... Uh, um, it's been interesting to see how how well it goes. But anyway, Mamelodi Sundowns, um, congrats to them. Um, regarding the Super Eagles, um, so over the past few over the past few days, they've released the list of uh, the squad list for players ahead of the World Cup qualifiers with uh, Lesotho and um, against Lesotho and uh, Zimbabwe. Okay, so um, Dalton. Looking at that list, that squad list, who should have made it and who shouldn't have made it on that list? <clears throat> okay, so um, obviously Osimhen is injured, so he's out of the list. Um, I'm also assuming that Ndidi is injured as well, because I know he didn't play this weekend and he wasn't called up. So I know that he's one of the captains in the team, so I assume that it's not for tactical reasons. Um, the captain was not called up, that's just Ekong. Um, I like to assume that's also an injury as well. But the names that I felt were missing, Gift Urban was missing, and um, Zaidu Sanusi as well was missing. So I'm not sure about injury statuses of these players, but those are the names mm. that I did not find at first glance. Hallelujah! We call the home base goal a home base goalkeeper this time yeah. around. Mm. Right, um, Francis Uzor maintains his spot. Uh, Madika is back. Uh, last, I think it was last week or the week before that, he had a blinder in the Coppa Italia. That's been his only appearance this season. Yeah. Um, I think it helps that he's an old face, so it's easy to call him back. Then also, um, Enimba's goalkeeper and captain um, it was called up as well. So it's a good one for the league. I mean, if I was to call a goalkeeper from the local league, it would not have been the one. But I think it's encouragement for every other person in the league that at least there's some form of recognition that it is reward for hard work. Right? It helps that anybody is league champions, anybody went to the um, African Super League, they're probably the biggest team in the land as well, and all of those things, right? And I think that those things played into his favor. But the good part about it is if they can call one person, that means they can call another person. So just like an encouragement for every other 
home-based player, especially in our positions of need. Hoping that we'll, we'll look inwards a bit, especially for the positions where we've tried our best to solve with our European-based players. It's always better when you have somebody that is in goal week in, week out, than somebody that is... It's mostly a training material for his team, so... Yeah, ah. good one for Super Eagles, good one for... Um, I'm, I'm missing his first name. I know his son name is Ujo. But yeah, good one for him. And I don't oh, think you know oh, that. Oh, Lauren, oh, Lauren Lickey. Oh, okay, yeah. So I don't think anybody else is is missing. Uh, okay, okay, I don't uh, think anybody is missing. I don't think Chukweze is on the list. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I did not see I don't think Chukweze is on the list. I mean, like you mentioned, gift of Yeah, remember, well. so you know, we've been talking about it and how Christian Pulisic's form will affect her. You know, crazy, and you know, for the I think for like four weeks, we kept on talking about that point, kept on hammering on it. Um, and I think Pulisic is injured at the moment. Uh, did he, did he oh, get Chukwese started yesterday? Yeah, I know, I know, I know Pulisic got injured against uh PSG. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I think he got taken off, yeah. But I mean, the damage has already been done, you know, by Pulisic. Um, of course, yeah. yeah. So, this is these are the kind of things that we're talking about. I think he's still going to make the the Afcon um, Cup, you know, definitely. Sorry, the Afcon squad list, definitely. Uh, that's too crazy. But this is uh, this is a World Cup qualifier. If you're not calling them for World Cup qualifier, then there's a huge problem. Um, I think one person I need to mention is Nathan Nathan Teller um, of Bayer Leverkusen. He's one of the one of Bayer Leverkusen's new recruits. So um, he's he got on the score sheet today. Bayern, of course, won. 4-0, sorry, Bayer Leverkusen won 4-0 against the uh, Onion Berlin. Uh, Nathan Teller scored his first goal for the club. Um, I think that was a very good way for him to announce or for him to celebrate his first international call-up. Last season, I think he spent it on loan with uh, Burnley, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yeah. So last season, he spent it on loan at Burnley. Uh, scored quite a bit, so 17 ch goals in the championship last season, um, 19 in total because I think he scored two in the cup. Uh, so he's someone that you know has an eye for goal. It's, it's not something that we need more of in Nigeria and Nigerian football. Like we've said, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to goal scorers. But yeah, Nathan Teller, he's uh, the newest call up for the national team, and um, I know he was born in England eligible to play for England, but I mean, England too, they have their own, um, what's it called? They have their own, that place is stacked up basically. But the good thing about him is that he can play in the attacking midfield position and also as a right winger. So I think we might see him, maybe not start, but this is someone that they might be looking at as a potential replacement for Chukwese if he doesn't get his minutes up at AC Milan. Um, anyway, uh, Shola, any thoughts on the squad list? Uh, players who you thought should have made the list? Anyone you were excited on, excited about watching over the next two games? Yeah, well, a lot to be excited about. I would say some question marks at the same time. Uh, so, for example, in the goalkeeping department, 
Um, the guy in Israel has been our most consistent goalkeeper at a high level for a while now. I am not sure. I, I, I am not in full agreement that he should be, he should be dropped. I can empathize to some extent with the sentiment of the manager that he wants tall goalkeepers and he's not exactly the tallest. But for me, we have to also consider his consistently his consistency at league level. He has been playing game in, game out for close to three, three and a half years now. We cannot say the same for Maduka Okoye. We cannot say the same for for Francis Uzo as well. And Olon Leke Ojo, yes, good. We have a goalkeeper from the league that we are trying to take a look at. But I think Adebayo's consistency means even if he doesn't always get to start, I believe he should always try, he should always be in that color. Uh, in terms of the defense, is interesting. Our Oimbo wall seems to, we are at the phase where we seem to start phasing them out. Um, Nothing like Oimbo wall again. <laughs> And in attack, we also see, okay, Ahmed Musa has been a long-term stay in the national team. It also seems like he's starting to get phased out of the national team. And like Dotu mentioned, we are so blessed in that, in attack, that we don't have Chukweze, we don't have Gift Urban, uh, we don't have Polo Noachu as well, who has started amazingly in Turkey. I think he has six goals in about eight league games. So he's and he scored a very brilliant helicopter kick in his last league game. So we are so blessed with options, we can afford to drop a lot of strong candidates in attack. Midfield, still where we are looking like we are very light, and then we now have guys like. In the defaulting prey to injury. Overall, I mean, it's the national team we support always. So, looking forward to the games, basically. All right, fair enough. I, I, I like that you mentioned that Polonacho scored a helicopter goal because helicopter is the best way to describe it. You know, with acrobatic goals, everybody's stuck on scissors, bicycle, and all those other things. But that's not what he did. What he scored was mostly. Um, What's the most? Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That is Zlatan's MO. That's a very good goal. I, I like that I found his form back. You know, um, last season he was at Southampton and he never got going at any point in time. There was no period in time where you could even make a case for him and say, let the manager see how he, uh, what, what, what he can do. Let's see how he fits in. Let's, every time he was on the pitch, it was so bad. And this is someone that had um, records in Belgium. So it's good for him that he's been able to find his form. I think it's too late for him to make the Nations Cup squad, but it, it, it's it's mostly uh, you never can tell what will happen with injuries. Uh, Boniface is available. I only scored again today, by the way, right? And we have um, still we still have Victor Smith that will probably make it in time for the Nations Cup. So I think in as much as it's a good one for him, 
um, it's worth mentioning that he's back in form and is back to his brilliant best. To the MPFL, MPFL updates, um, I'll start with my team, my beloved Rangers. Uh, we drew at Sunshine Stars earlier today. Uh, I think the most, the, the, the interesting part about this fixture is that five of the last meetings between these two sides has uh, en have ended in draws. Um, today was 2-2 and you know, Rangers, they keep finding the back of the net. They've scored in all their away games this season. I believe they've also scored in all games this season. Um, they are the highest scoring team, of course, this season. 15 goals scored, but they are leaking goals. So 10 goals considered. This considered two today, 10 in total. They have, um, I think, maybe one of the worst defenses in the league. They have, they, have, they have the best attack, but I think like the fifth worst defense in the league, 10 goals considered. Um, so they've dropped from the top of the league, obviously, from number one or number two, rather. They've dropped to number three. Uh, they've been leapfrogged by Remo Stars, who beat who was it? They beat they won four nil to the Gombe United four nil. And on top of the table is Lobby Stars. Lobby Stars beat Sporting Lagos one nil. Uh, Dalton has um, this week been for Sporting, you know, from the high of beating Canopillas to this very tough game because. Like I said, Lobby Stars are a very tough side. So it's not like uh, one of those sides that uh, you know people expect to just walk in and grab all three points. I think anything besides a defeat will have been a welcome result. But in, I mean, a one-year result was, you know, I think it's... Uh, I mean, how did you see that? First things first, I don't think anybody in the Nigerian Premier League expects to go away and pick up three points. If you, mm. if you get three points, all well and good. Right, but going somewhere and you say you can't pick three points, it's mostly an out here. But I don't think we had any away win this um this week. No, we don't uh, have I think we had one one or two draws. I think there were two draws, but mm. mostly home teams. Mm. Lobby stars, speaking yeah. of Lobby stars, they actually beat Bayelsa United last week. Uh, yeah, two people are beating Bayelsa United um mm. at, at home. It's um mm. it's an inside joke in the MPFL that they're doing bonanza. So hurry <laughs> up and pick up your flowers talk last. Uh, but Lobby United, uh, Lobby Stars coming into, the, coming into the weekend, we were top of table, so mm. we knew that we had a, a tough task on our hands. Um, unfortunately, it was not was not good enough. Um, Coach Paul stuck with this exact same starting lineup that, that defeated Pillars 3-0. So um, maybe he wanted to. It's one of those. If it's not broken, don't fix it. But I, I just felt like since it was away, since it was against table toppers, we could have been a lot more. Uh, conservative, right? Especially since we have a mobile forward in Jonathan Aloko and Saturday Oko, right? So I, I just felt like it's one of those games where you counter and um, I hope for the best. But that's that. It's done and dusted. Next game, uh, Heartland at home. Um, we're hoping that at least Alaudi and Patrick Egino were back on the bench today and in the recent of it, those are the starting center backs for sports because they've been out injured for a I think they've missed almost all the games this season. Um so it's it's a good one for sports because that both of them are back and yeah, they can help to push the team on. I think um so far so good. Sports Lagos have played uh I think four games at home. They've won three and drawn one. They've played I think four games away too. They've lost three and drawn one. So it's it's a good one for the team that's um, 
first season in the Premier League and, and all of that. So it's we'll take it. We hope we can do better, especially since we are still in top half of the table. Oh. Um, Stars against Gombe United. So I, I I was having a chat with someone the week. I said at the beginning of the season we made uh, all sorts of comments about um, coach um, Ogumo Dede's comments about wanting to win the league and all of that. Yeah, but yeah. these guys are actually very serious about wanting to win the league. I don't know if anybody has watched them play. I don't sure I've watched them. And and I don't know if you watch them, the first thing that will strike is how direct they are. Right? They mm-hmm. take four or five touches and they're already in your box. It's it's so so I saw Sporting Gombe at Onikon Stadium, right? So I, I, I'm not surprised that it beats Gombe United four goals to zero. But again, even against the best teams. The way they are direct is so it's so it's, it's it gives something like um maybe united in between seven and eleven where it's one long ball and Rooney Tevez, Ronaldo, Chicharito, Bebato, whoever's on the pitch is running at you. So it, it's these guys might actually be serious at the, as they stand, gone to my head, I'll pick Rebel Stars to win the league this season. You know, one of the points we even made then was that, oh, I, I made then was that, me, yeah, I like seeing people that invest heavily in sports and then, you know, get their, rip their, rip the rewards for their investment. So if they win it, honestly, I think it's something that I would like because they've invested a lot, you know, like you said, on players. Uh, I think back then we even brought up the infrastructure and everything. And you spoke to how fantastic their facilities um, uh, from the training facilities, the pitch itself, you know, all those things, you know, the money that has been pumped into it, into that club. Uh, so if they go on to win it, honestly, it would be a very fantastic achievement for them and I would like it very well. Um, besides wanting my own team to win, I think Sporting Lagos and Remo Stars, I would want either one of them to win because those are the two teams that I've seen that have made, they've been very deliberate about, you know, their efforts to promote, um, to promote the football that is being played at their club. So it's not just the lazy, the typical lazy kind of going about the, their business that you see in other, in, in most NPFL clubs. You know, this one, is they're being deliberate about it. They're putting their money where their mouth is and all that. So it's been interesting to see how the season unfolds. But yeah, so far, so good. I mean, they've looked very good. Um, Shola, any update from your own end? Uh, I think you guys have covered... Most of it, uh, just to address Dotun's point, for Sporting Lagos, it's first season in the MPFL. They're in the top 10, they're not doing too badly. Uh, even the three away losses have all been by just just one goal. They lost 2-1 at Remor Stars, they lost 2-1 at Quara United, and losing 1-0. Uh, and they've gotten a draw away, and hopefully... They can pick one or two points away from home in some games for them to keep working hard, basically. Uh, but for Remo, it's been a really, 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 really good start to the season. They're one game outstanding and they're two points behind Lobby Stars. Uh, Rangers is in and around that mix. Pretty United is also quite strong so far. Uh, I think mainly they've been quite dominant at home, which more or less is the 
recipe for the Nigerian league, basically. You have to really, really, really be good at home and you really cannot afford to drop points at home because it's very difficult to recover points away from home. And Plant United is managing four games and four wins, so they have a 100% home record and they stand at fifth position. Bendel is one thing that is interesting. Uh, for the past two seasons, it seemed to be building one of the best defensive groups in the league. Uh, so they've conceded one goal in the entire league so far, and that's in seven matches. They are not scoring a lot, which is also been a problem that started to raise head since last season. But they are starting to look like, if I'll use the cliche, the Atletico Madrid of the league over the last couple of seasons. So they've considered just one goal in seven games and they've scored four goals total. So a very interesting side to look at. Aimba is 17th, but maybe not the best reflection. They've played just five games and they have three games outstanding. Aqua United, on the other hand, one of the richest and biggest teams in the league. They have a lot of cause for concern. They find themselves at 18th position. So that's something there's already rumors circulating on the position of the manager. Fingers crossed to see what happens. So it's been eight rounds of games and it's been exciting, basically. And further good news even announced recently that there is also a TV deal with start times. So that should get games on TV and at the same time bringing in some income into the league. So yeah, hopefully we can continue to get a good league season going forward to the end. Uh, just to add to side, step away from that, the under-20 Nigerian female team, they played the qualifier game today and I think, I believe they played the one-all draw back from Tanzania, basically. And then also, the under-17 World Cup has started. Unfortunately, Nigeria is in there. Uh, but first round of games, I think the African teams, they have done decent. I believe Morocco won their game, uh, Senegal won their game, and I think Mali won their game. I think Burkina Faso was the only African country to lose in the first round of matches so far. So, good for Africa, three teams getting wins in their first games in their groups. Um, so, that's what, I don't know if you... I, I like that you mentioned the um, Under-17 World Cup as well. So, I, I saw... Um, Highlights from the Senegal game. I also saw that Iran came down from two goals, um, two goals down to be Brazil three two. Right, but what really stuck my um, what, what caught my attention was the fact uh, was when they brought out uh, the list of past winners. Right, I could see Nigeria, I could see um, Ghana, and not just once, like multiple times, and all of that. Why do you think we do so well in age grade comp competitions, and when we get to the senior? senior competitions we celebrate first african teams to get to quarterfinal first african to get get time final when in the real sense of it most of these guys are still going to graduate into um into senior team 
and it's like they're coming from the same base but once they get to a particular place their trajectory just changes what do you think is the main reason for that uh if i speak i'm in big trouble <laughs> okay so i was going to say that you should give us a so maybe uh, a coach's perspective right so let's just keep it um tactical and um football related let's just leave it at that so nobody has trouble <laughs> well it's the crux of the matter is not tactical it's not uh okay just focusing on how to maybe how we can think of building going forward uh ideally we want to start setting up the right structures from the youngest ages and early identification of talents open access to free to free play quality coaching being made accessible in a way that allows us to develop intentionally so basically what we have is still a scattergun approach and a few months to the qualifiers we do open screenings and we select a few good players uh, the disadvantage of scattergun approaches is it's difficult to build on them anything sustainable and you are going to get that inconsistency that we seem to be having at the moment we do well here semi-final final or we win and then maybe for one or two years we don't even get to qualify and it's because we don't really have a systematic approach towards talent development for young players in the country basically All right, guys, that's going to be it for this episode of the pod. Thanks for listening. Please share, subscribe, and leave us a review when you can. That's very important for us. Uh, follow us on all social media platforms at Clean Tackles Pod to keep the conversation going. Have a great week. Cheers.